Reformed Church. You know, it's an interesting thing that when it has to do with, you know, either financial matters or if it has to do with, um, you know, concerns that we have for the future or situations that we find ourselves in today that we want to desperately get out of, right, or things that we want corrected in our lives, whether it be thinking or whatever it is, there's just so many things going on in the world, right? Um, and the Lord said that, you know, for those that are of the world, he said, in this world, there's going to be tribulation, right? But there is a thing that he's given us, right, where it's, you know, we'll get into it quite a bit, but um, where he has set us and the exit that he has given us out of a world that is full of tribulation so that we would know that we don't have to live a life like that, full of tribulation. But, um, but unfortunately, you know, I think the thing that happens, definitely happens in the world for sure, but happens even in the life of many believers sometimes is because of our desire to get out of what we're in or to begin to work a way out of what is going on in our lives, we subject ourselves. In other words, we put ourselves under, um, under the, the authority or under the salvation, quote-unquote, of people, of men, of organizations, of stuff, right? In, in other words, that when, when, when you think that the, the fate, quote-unquote, of your life is dependent on a government, right? You've subjected yourself to that. You've said you've tied yourself to a nation or to a government that if it fails, I fail, right? If, if the economy fails, then I fail. If the company, right, we, we, can, we can submit ourselves and, and um, not, not just obviously that we have jobs, right? Because when you, when you have a job and you work for someone, right, you, you, you can do everything that you do, not as unto them, right, but as unto the Lord, and the Lord will prosper, right, and, and make you a good employee, make you a good manager of people, et cetera, right? But, but there, there's a difference between that and you subjecting yourself to people, right? Um, you, you, you tying yourself, like we were talking about the example of a government, tying yourself to a job and saying, you know, the only way for me to prosper is if I find, you know, I find grace with this person and with that person and with this individual, right? Um, th there's a thing, you know, that, that you know, you see, it, uh, you see it even in relationships and lives, right, that people tie themselves one to another, right? And not for what they can give to one another, but what they can get from a relationship, right? And, and that could be business, that could be friendship, that can be romantic, that can be a husband and a wife, right? Where it's not about what you're giving to the relationship, it's what you're taking. And you can, you can think, oh, well, you know, that, you know, that's not me. You know, when I'm in a relationship, it's all about what I can give. But if what you're looking in a relationship is, you know, the love that you need or the, the, the security that you need, you're subjecting yourself not unto God, but you're subjecting yourself unto a man or unto a woman, right? So you're saying like, like, because I need security, I need to do this. Because I need, because I have needs, you know, I have to do this, right? Um, th there is some really good examples, obviously, on what uh, I want to read to you this morning about uh, King Ahaz, uh, who was a king of Judah and was in the line of, of David. Um, but also, you know, using maybe the, the evil in his life, right, which obviously was just unbelief, right? He, to, to give you kind of the punchline in his life, right, he completely rejected the gospel. He allowed fear to move his mind away from the gospel, even though the Lord was very persistent in ministering the gospel to him, yet he turned his heart away just because of fear, just because of wanting to hold on to something, right? He, was, he, 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 be, he began to rule when he was really young. I think it was like 19 or 20 years old. He began to rule as king after his father's death, and he just Right. There, there are, isn't it, the example is obviously is not just with him. It's just people, right? People, when they achieve something or they want something, they want to hold on to it, right? There are people that hold on to people, right? Like, like they'll do anything for an individual just so they don't lose that person, right? And, 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 and we, we have obviously things wrong. It's not that we should not be subject. It's that we're just subjecting our lives under the wrong banner, under the wrong person, under the wrong Savior. So um, in, uh, in, in Colossians chapter 1, let me just read this to you quickly. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 23. It says, if you continue in the faith, 
grounded and settled and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard uh, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, uh, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So he talks about there about the Lord's teaching us about just being uh, by faith being grounded, right? Being grounded and settled in our faith in Jesus and, and not being, allowing our mind, our heart to be moved away from the hope of the gospel. In other words, that in, in what the Lord has done is where our salvation is. In what the Lord has done is where our expectation for today and for tomorrow comes from. In other words, the, the saying everything's gonna be okay tomorrow, for us, the surety of that, knowing that we will prosper today and tomorrow comes from the surety of what something that's already been done. It's not something that God's gonna do for us. It's not that God's gonna help us like, Lord, please help me. It's that he has already helped, right? We're not looking for God to do something. We're learning what God has already done. And based on what he's done, which is the gospel, right? Based on what he's done, that's where our expectation can be so sure. We can have such a sure, live with such a sure expectation. In, um, in Isaiah, uh, if we can go there real quick, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 1. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting view, right, that we can have. Isaiah obviously is a prophet, right? So he is prophesying about the Messiah, and in this case, to King Ahaz, right? Then later on we can read, and you can see in 2 Kings, I think, and even in 2 Chronicles, you see kind of how Ahaz's life played out right but but you see the decisions that he was making but what you don't really clearly see in second kings and in second chronicles in in the actions of ahaz you see him you, you see him being defeated you see him subject himself under uh under the uh, the king of assyria but what you don't see is what, we got, what we're going to see in Isaiah chapter 7. You, you don't see the Lord ministering the gospel to him so clearly and so, so, uh, so blatantly, right? And yet, despite that, obviously, he allowed his heart to be moved away. I mean, it, it wasn't like he had never heard the gospel. Obviously, he was in the line of David. So, so, so this was, the gospel was a, was a known thing, right, among, definitely among the people of Israel obviously let alone even the kings of Israel. Um, but in verse number one of Isaiah 7, it says, and it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, right? So Ahaz is the king of Judah. Judah, um, uh, Judah and Jerusalem, you're going to see that kind of used interchangeably here. Judah and Jerusalem are basically referring to the same thing. Right? There was a time when Jerusalem was the capital of Judah, okay? And obviously that's where the king would probably reside, right, in, in Jerusalem. But it said, it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel. So it was the king of, uh, the king of Syria and the king of Israel. It says, they went toward Jerusalem to war against it. So, so you have the king of Syria and the king of Israel coming to war against the king of Judah, right? Judah and Jerusalem, right, they're one thing. And, uh, and the king of Israel and the king of Assyria come to war against them. It says, but could not prevail against it. In verse number two, it says, and it was told uh, the house of David, meaning to Ahaz and to his line, right? Uh, obviously, David was of Judah, just like obviously Christ, right, came also from Judah, right? And that's why it said that Christ was in the line or in the lineage of David, in verse number two, it says, and it was told the house of David saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. Um, Ephraim, in this case, is the same thing um, as Israel, right? So in other words, saying Syria is confederate with Ephraim is saying that Syria and Israel have, they, they're, they're in cahoots, right, against, against uh, Jerusalem or Judah. Uh, and when he heard that, it says, and his heart was moved. Look at verse number two, right? And his heart was moved and the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind, right? So you can see that obviously because of the fear of, of whatever, right? I mean, we, we, you know, we don't, 
it doesn't really matter the kind of fear. People, uh, we, were, we were citing a couple of examples at the beginning, right here, that people fear all kinds of things and they live in fear of losing their jobs, living in fear of losing their house, they live in fear of not having money for tomorrow, they live in fear of, if it's not them losing their job, it's their wife losing their job or their husband losing their job. I mean, people find all kinds of stuff to fear, right? They find all kinds of stuff to fear. But what happens with fear, obviously, fear is, has moved your heart away from the truth of what Christ has done, right? If our hearts are steadfast on what the Lord has done, then the, the knowledge of what Christ has already finished, done, past tense for you, casts out fear, right? But when our heart is not steadfast and stayed on what the Lord has done and we don't understand what it means to be a child of God, to be under the banner of Christ, right, then you, you end up in fear, right? And obviously the way out of fear is not to subject yourself under a man that might be able to help you, but the way to get out of fear is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, right? Grow in the knowledge of Christ. So his heart was moved away. Verse number three, then said the Lord unto Isaiah, go forth and meet Ahaz, uh, you and, and Shir Shabub, or something like that, right? Uh, thy son. So basically he, he, says, he says to Isaiah, you and your son, uh, go to Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field and say unto him, take heed, listen, he's saying, and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the son of Ramalia. Um, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramalia have taken evil counsel against you, saying, let us go against Judah and vex it. So what I want to just show you here is there's a couple of things that are said here. I, I don't know the significance of all of it, but it's an interesting thing that the Lord calls, uh, calls Syria and Israel. He calls them, he says, the two tails. He calls them the two tails of these smoking firebrands. Now, th there's a, it, it is an interesting thing that it's the same wording even that's used in Samson and their, you know, tail it's, it's the actual physical tale of foxes and firebrands. Samson actually takes fire, right? Or you can say, I don't know, it, like a light or if it was, you know, a piece of wood on fire. I don't know what it was. But he, when he was trying to come against the Philistines, he took foxes, I think it was, 300 foxes, tied their tails together one to another, and then put firebrands in between and let them loose in cornfields, I think it was, and they burnt down all the crops and all the stuff happened, right? But here... He, make, he calls, uh, so there in Samson, the reference of tails and, and firebrands is, is done there. So I, I don't, there may be some significance or some tie with that. But, but, uh, but the one thing that you do know is that the word here that's used that calls them the two tails, right? There's, there's quite a bit of reference in the Old Testament and in the New Testament when the Lord talks about head and tail right? The, when, when he, and, and, and I don't know, like I said, the full definition, so I'm not trying to say, okay, yeah, here's the definition of the word head or the word tail, but there are things that you can get out of, right? And we can just start seeing and learning from what the Lord calls the head and the tail, right? Even in, um, I'll show you real quick, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, right? Obviously the Old Testament, verse number 12, Deuteronomy 28, 12, he says, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, um, to give you rain unto your land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand, and, shall, and you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. You shall lend to many nations, you shall not borrow. In other words, so the Lord puts you in a position of rulership, right, not in, in a position of subjection unto men, right? And I think even Pastor Mike, I think, has even talked about that verse. Uh, you'll lend and not borrow, even in reference to the Power to Wealth series, right? But, but you see what he's doing there, right? The Lord makes you the top and not the bottom. He puts you above and he doesn't put you beneath, right? He doesn't put you in subjection. He puts you in charge. That's a very different different way of thinking, right? When, when, the Lord, when the Lord puts you even, let's say, in a position of authority on the earth, right, you, you should be thinking according to your position, right? In other words, you don't think as someone that is subject to another when you're the one that the Lord has put 
as, as ruler, when the Lord has put you in charge of something, right? So it's a different mentality, right? When you're a manager of a company or you're an employee of a company that's just come in an entry-level position, the thinking is very different, right? You work for the same company, but thinking as a, as a leader, thinking as a ruler versus thinking as a, someone that has just come in at an entry-level position, right? Th those are two different ways of thinking. When the Lord tells you that he has made you the lender and not the borrower, th that's, a, that's a different way of thinking about prosperity right the lord prospers you he has made you the head he hasn't made you the borrower the tail he has made you the head when we even in financial things we think like a tail right we think like someone that is subject unto right when you think like a head you think like the what god has made you right those are two different mentalities and people talk about well what is all the thing about the talk about being debt free and all of this stuff and why does it and me paying my bills and what does that have to do with jesus it has a lot to do with them right because when you continually subject yourself over and over again out of desperation right People go into debt many times out of desperation. Sometimes they do it just because they just are greedy and can't wait to have something until they save up for it. But, but a lot of times people just do it out of fear, right? People get in debt out of fear. People, I mean, there's no written rule that says you must own your house by the age of 35, right? People just do stuff. They make decisions, rash decisions, and, and many times don't even realize that it is fear that drives many financial decisions. But, but that's, but it's, it's, it's not just fear that drives many times financial decisions. It's fear that drives all kinds of decisions. People get into relationships just out of fear. Right? They don't even know who they're in relationship with. They just have to do it because they're afraid of being alone. I mean, there's people that li literally fear being by themselves. Even if they're re 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 uh, surrounded by people, they still feel like they have to have this intimacy. And if they don't have it, they're just going to flip out. So they get into things, make decisions just because of the need that people have. And, and true, people have a need to be loved. People have a need to feel secure. People have a need to have an expe a sure expectation. But neither one of those three things come from men or should even come from men ever, right? All of those three things should always come from the Lord, right? So you seek first the kingdom of God and you receive those three things and then the Lord will add things unto you. But we always put, we always put the cart before the horse, right? And, and I say we, I'm just speaking generally, right? But putting the cart before the horse, right? Put the Lord first and things will follow, right? But, but we take and we put other things in front and then we wonder why, you know, oh, I, I don't know why I ended up in this situation because that wasn't my motivation or whatever. But anyway, the, the Lord told them, take heed, be quiet, don't fear, don't be faint-hearted, right? Don't, don't have a weak mind, right? In other words, when we talked about being strong in heart, Right there are so many times that we just we, we don't we don't allow the Lord to even strengthen our heart in a, in an area because we're so quick to jump to the saving grace of an individual, right? Like, like, you don't even give time for the Lord to be able to strengthen you, to remind you who you are, right? To, to, to show you who he's made you, that he has made you the head and not the tail. But we don't even give him enough time sometimes to even do that. We just make our minds up. We make a decision. We do it. We feel secure now. And you forget to even seek the Lord about that situation because now you have felt secure now for the next, for the next six months, for the next year, for the next five years when it has to do with this, you're feeling secure, right? As long as we're paying our bills on time and the check is coming in we're feeling secure but if anything happens to our pay if anything happens to our situation if anything happens to our circumstances if the boss isn't looking at me just right anymore if the boss isn't giving me this this confidence or this one then all of a sudden we start feeling shaky now we start looking for a different job because maybe in a different job i'll find right so so we're running right running around trying because what we want really is we want to feel secure we want to have that sure expectation we want to feel the sense of security in our lives to know that we're held that we're loved right but but we put again it doesn't come from putting the cart before the horse all that does is delay things in your life inevitably inevitably right you you end up knowing that security does not come from things that are temporal right but security and the love and everything that we need that is unchanging comes from our Father who is eternal, right? Comes from God, right? And, and our Lord Jesus Christ who are both eternal. Thank God for that. Um, but he says, he says, don't fear these two tales, right? Don't, don't fear, and, 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 and it's cool, you know, because I was reading some of this and I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm just, I have to stop. I, I got to pause because I don't know what the heck I'm reading here. Like, he starts later on saying, because this one is the son of that one and that one's the son of this one. I'm like, 
All right, I know that there's something there, but I'm not seeing it, right? So just stop. I just put my Bible aside, and I just started praying and, you know, started doing other things. And, and of course, right, the Lord shows you because he's so good. But, but he, he tells them, he, he tells Ahaz, he says, don't fear these two tales. Don't fear these men. For really, he said, they're just men. Watch now, right? They're just men subject to men. Now, that's an important thing, right? Because, because the things that men fear... When you're fearing other men, you're just fearing men that are subject to men, right? It, it doesn't matter what organization. It doesn't matter what company. It doesn't matter. You know, it, they're just carnal things subject to carnal things that are not eternal, right? There are, there, there are temporal things subject to temporal things, things that change subject to things that change, right? It's, it's an interesting fact for us to ever think that we can put our security on things that are forever changing, right? Relationships, put, put all of your eggs in this one relationship that changes and is subject to change. I mean, people's relationships change all the time. People's relationships change all the time, right? Jobs change all the time. Economy changes all the time. CEOs change all of the time. The things of this world change all the time. God never changes, never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever he is the same. So the same God of Abraham is my same God, isn't any different to how he was to Abraham to how he is to me. No different, right? It is the same God, the same Father, right, of, of, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ is the same Father that we have. Doesn't favor the Lord over me doesn't favor this one over that one, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. It says, it says don't fear or be faint-hearted for these two tales. It says, um, or for the fierce anger of Rezin or Syria um, and of the son of Ramalia, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramalia, they've taken evil counsel against you, saying in verse number six, let us go up unto Judah and vex it, you know, and it, I, I love the wording so many times in these things that you see that it's always of the heart, right? Like, like that, the, the, the just that the, the, the vexation that says there, the vexation is, is just to like, to, to weary the mind of a person, right? To weary the mind of a person, it, it, you know, th th there's even people that'll tell you that, that warfare and even war in our present time, how much of warfare is just all of the mind? It's not even just about nuclear power. It's not about even just this brute strength, right? But how much of it is it of the mind? How much of, how, how much of the problems that we have today are not just problems in the way that we think, right? Not problems because of the things that are happening to you, problems because of the way that you think, right? It, if we were, right, to continue to grow to be people that are not easily vexed in our mind and in our heart, right, not easily tossed, not, not having a heart that is easily moved away, not us or the heart of our family, right, not us or the heart of the people in our churches, not us, right, or the people in our country, right, but that we would be people that are not moved away from the gospel, people that are not easily moved away from knowing who they are and who the, the head of the church is and how they themselves have been made also. We have been made also the head, right? We'll talk about that in a second. It says, look at verse number eight. And, and so he says, you know, don't fear these two tales, right? And then he says, verse number eight says, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, right? So in other words, you look at a nation, and as you look at a carnal nation that you, that you would fear or subject yourself unto, you would eventually see that as you follow that lineage on up, it just ends in a man. It ends in a person, right? He says, he says the head of Ephraim in verse number 9, um, sorry, I, I did skip a little bit of verse number 8, but that's fine. Verse number 9 says, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son. Again, the, 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 he's fearing He's fearing men that are subject to men, right? Fearing men that are subject to men. And it says, he says, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. So don't forget where we are, right? So we're reading Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet, right? So Isaiah is a prophet. Him and his son were sent to a king. And he says, tell the king these things. Don't fear these two tales. Don't fear, fear God, but don't fear these two, right? 
fear, fear God that is able to save you and rescue you and deliver you from, the hand, from their hand. But don't fear men. He's saying men are just subject. Look, he, and he, he tells them, this is a prophet speaking to a king, giving the names of how a nation is subject to this and how this is subject to a man. He's, he's speaking out loud to a king, letting him know, look, it's just men subject to men. It says, ultimately, it just ends in a king, in a person, in an individual, right? Why would, you fear, why would you fear a tale? Why would you fear a man who's, who even the Bible talks about men, in other words, those that are not of God. He says they're, they're like the dust. He says they're, they're like the grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. In other words, temporary, right? Everything in their lives, any, everything in the life of someone that does not have the Lord is subject to change. In other words, subject to deterioration, subject to decay, subject to the death of this world. That means it doesn't last, right? Like, why would you fear something that is constantly deteriorating, not becoming more and more mighty, but constantly deteriorating until the point where it comes to nothing, right? But not fear God, who is the same, who is always omnipotent, right? Who is always all-powerful, right? Who has, all, who has rescued, right? Who has already delivered, who has already helped you. And instead, we put ourselves in, in a situation in our mind and in our thinking where we subject ourselves to something that's not even sure. And take our heart away from the very thing that is sure that is not changing, Right? is sure and is not changing. So he says to him, if you don't believe, I can't establish you. The prophet is telling the king, if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you cannot be established. And you say, well, why do you say Jesus? I'll show you that in a second, because that's what the Lord is going to very clearly give him the gospel, right? But he, he, he tells him, you, you need to put your faith in the Messiah that is to come. And if you don't put your faith in the Messiah that is to come, I cannot establish you and your kingdom. He made a promise to David, right? He, he, said, he said, if you seek me, he said, I will establish you and your kingdom forever. And obviously he did, right? Jesus came in the lineage of David. So the king, the throne of David still continues on to this day, which is obviously the eternal kingdom of, of heaven is what, really what that reference was. Um, verse number 10 then, he says, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, He says, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. In other, like the Lord is saying, Ask me. Ask me to show you a sign so I, so I can help you understand. Like, ask me, ask me for a sign. And he says, ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. And, and this is just, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm probably about 90% positive of this, right? But where he says there, uh, ask it either in the depth or in the height. If, if we just go really, really quick to um, Romans chapter 10, I think. He says, ask a sign, ask it either in the depth or in the height right, is what we just read there. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number um, 5, it says, For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does those things shall live by them. Right? In other words, that if you're going to live by the law, if you're going to try to achieve some kind of righteousness by keeping the commandments, you have to live by it every single day of your life. In other words, you can't break any of those ten, which obviously it's impossible for men not to do. In verse number six, it says, but the righteousness which is a faith in Jesus, right? The righteousness which is a faith speaks in this way or in this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. So the reference of a sign in the heavens, right? Uh, is, is to, he says, to, is Christ having come down from above? Or it says in verse number seven, who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the grave, right? Uh, uh, up again from the dead. Same thing, right? So, so, so the idea there is what he's talking about there is Christ having come from heaven to earth, right? The Father having sent the Son, right? And then speaking about the resurrection of Christ from the dead, right? By the glory of the Father. So if we go back, to, if you go back to Isaiah 7, in verse number 11, he says, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. And verse number 12, and you'll see why I came to that conclusion. You'll see now in verse number 12, but, but Ahaz said, 
actually in the coming verses, Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary God also? In other words, the Lord is, is trying to help you here. He's trying to show you. He said, you have wearied your, your entire house and all the people that you rule over because of your unbelief, right? Will you also weary God as well, right? In other words, hear, listen, he's saying to him. Uh, in verse number 14, he said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And obviously, look at the sign that he gives him. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, right? So, so what you see there is, what you see there is, is the, he, he begins even after that to talk about it. It says in verse number 15, butter and honey shall he eat, right? Um, that he may know uh, to refuse the evil and to choose the good before the child shall know uh, to refuse evil in verse number 16 and choose the good the land that you are born in other words the people that you are in such fear over is it shall be forsaken of both her kings in other words that 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 he, he said if you could see if you could put faith right if you could put faith in me if you can put faith in the messiah that is to come i mean we're in right the we're in the old testament right we're in the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesying to a king saying, he said, for a virgin, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Obviously, that's clearly, right, speaking about the Messiah that was to come, Jesus Christ, right? So what he's saying is, if you can put your faith in the same Christ that your father David did, right, I will establish you just like I established David. I will establish you like I established Solomon, right? I will establish you like I established Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were not new things to them, right? So the gospel was being preached to them regularly, constantly, right? I mean, we see certain examples written here and there, but they, the, the same gospel that was preached to us was preached clearly to them. Now, obviously, his heart, unfortunately, his heart is completely moved away. You, you see clearly there how he was being taught, how the Lord was, through the prophets, was speaking to him about the Messiah that was to come so that the Lord could establish him, and he refused. Why? Fear, right? Fear of a present circumstance, fear of a present condition, not willing to allow the Lord to open and enlighten the eyes of your understanding so that he can see, right, what the Lord could do in his life through the salvation that only Jesus would provide him, right? Um, in, um, in, let, me, let me give you this example. Let's run over to Isaiah 9, right? Two chapters over. Isaiah 9 and verse number 14. Just want to give you another example where he says, fear not these two tails, right? He says, therefore the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. He says, the ancient and the honorable, he is the head. And the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail, right? So there you see, same, a very sim similar example where the Lord is saying, uh, the ancient and the honorable is the head, he that is a prophet, but basically he who is the, a false prophet that lies, he is the tail, right? The false prophet is the tail, the ancient and the honorable is the head. Um, I read to you out of uh, Deuteronomy 28. Um, it, actually, did we ever read 28, 12? Let, let's go there again. Deuteronomy 28, 12. Because I'm thinking that I don't know why I don't remember us getting into verse 13. So verse 12, Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land on, it, on his season, um, in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. Right? And the Lord shall make you the head. Look at what he's saying, right? First he says, I, I, I will make you the lender, not the borrower, right? So, and he says, and then in definition to that, so that you can see how he's contrasting those two things, he said, I will make you the head and not the tail. And then gives you another contrast. He says, and you shall be above and not beneath, right? You shall, you shall have them submit unto you and not you submitting unto, unto them, right? huge difference in the way that we live submitted unto men or submitted unto god if you're submitted unto god everything is subject to you because everything is subject to christ right when we are when we submit unto men we're just submitted unto men that are submitted unto other men it's very lateral right you, you know you know what's not a great great thing a lot of times it's not a great thing to 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 just move laterally in all the world right 
Just move laterally, always, in the world. You're, you're never really subject to anything that is lasting. You're never really subject to anything that can give you surety for tomorrow. Just stuff that is just like a temporal body that you have. Just stuff like that, right? Men being subject to men that are just like them. Men being subject to men that are just like them. It's a blind person subjecting themselves to another blind person, right? They end up in the same hole, right? In the same ditch. A blind person just subject to another blind person. Instead of a blind person subjecting himself to the one that sees, right? A blind person subjecting themselves to the one that sees, what happens ultimately to that blind person? They see, right? But when a blind person subjects himself to the blind, where, where is their hope? in the blind leading the blind, worse yet, where is their hope in the blind following the blind? Not just the blind leading the blind, it's the blind following the blind. That's more pitiful, right? At least the one in front is deceived in thinking that he's going somewhere, right? But the one that's following the blind, right, that's even worse, right? Because you're, you're, you're putting your faith, you're subjecting yourself and your life and your family to, to someone that can't do anything for you, that is, that is in the same boat that you are, both in a sinking boat, right, asking each other for help, right, instead of looking to the one who is the Savior who has already saved, right? He'll make you the head. Isn't it a beautiful thing? You don't have to be, you don't have to make yourself the head. You don't have to work yourself up to being the head. You don't have to get to a place where you've done everything right and God will make you the head and reward you with being the head. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and he makes you the head as he himself is the head over the church, right? Christ is, and I'll show you that verse in a second, Christ is the head over all things for the church, right? He is the head of the church. Now, now the same way that the Bible talks about, you know, the man being the head of the wife, right? What he's talking about there is submission, right? The, the wife and the husband submit themselves one to another. But we submit ourselves one to another in being those that are submitted unto God. So even though you subject yourself to a godly man, you ultimately are subjecting yourself to God. When a man submits to his wife, who is a godly woman, ultimately you are submitting yourself unto God, right? So everything that you do unto that spouse, right, can be as unto the Lord. But the problem, obviously, but th there is an issue, right, with submitting yourself to someone that doesn't know the Lord. There is always issues with submission to something that is just of this world. Never, right? That, that should never be the circumstance of a Christian. Submit yourself to worldly things, right? You can use worldly things. Use them all day long. Use them to your heart's content. Use them as much as you need to use them. But don't submit yourself to it. Use it. Don't submit yourself to it. Those are two separate, completely different things. If, if he, says, he says, I will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and you shall not be beneath. If thou will hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, that I command you this day to observe them and to do them. So what is it saying? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's the command of God. Faith in Jesus. He says, and I'll make you the head. I will make you the head. In, um, in Ephesians, if we can go there real quick, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 18, and we're going to read right through to chapter 2, verse 6 quickly, right? Just a few verses there. He said, the eyes of your understanding, in verse 18, 118, the eyes of your understanding be it enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So that's talking about when you can allow the Lord to teach you, you will see the inheritance you possess, right? That's all that that's saying. You'll see the inheritance that is yours, that's in you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power that is toward you that believe, right? Toward us that believe, th that power which is according to his mighty power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in heavenly places. So he's saying, the power that I exercised in Christ, that I worked in him when I raised him from the dead, right? The same sign that was given to King Ahaz, right? The power that I exercised in, his, in him when I raised him from the dead and seated him above everything in this world. In other words, the power that I exercise in Christ when I raised him from the dead and made him the head. That is the power he's saying that I'll work in you. I will raise you out of this world, out of death and out of the decay in this world, and I will make you the head as he is the head. I will seat you where he's seated. I will make you the head and you will be made the head and you will not be the tail. You, right? you will be subject to only me, the Lord says, right? You will be subject to only me and everything else will be subject unto you. 
right? The same as the Father, right? Christ is only subject to the Father. Everything else is subject unto him, right? So we are subject unto the Father and unto the Son, and everything else is subject unto us, right? That's the way it works. He has seated us against above, right? Well, he'll say it in a second. Um, Verse number 21, far above. listen Listen to what it is to be the head, right? Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. That includes resin. That includes Pekka. That includes Romalia. That includes Damascus. That includes Fortune 500 companies. That includes the economy. That includes the president of the United States. That includes China. That includes every power, every demon, every, every weapon of this earth. He has set above, right? Above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that can even be named, not only in this age, but even in the one that's to come. Not only in this world, but even in the world right after Christ's return. All of it, still the same. Nothing ever changes, right? So it's not that it's just then or just now, but it's now and then, right? He made right far above, seated him far above. And he put all things and gave him to be, listen, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Not just head over all things, period. Head over all things for us. Head over all things for us. What does that mean? That if he's over it, you're over it. If he's subject to it, you're subject to it. If he's subject to death, so would you be. If he's not, you're not. Right? It's, 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 he's saying for us. And, he, and then he says, if, if, just to keep defining what being the head is, he says, he is the head over all things to the church, which is his body. We, the body of Christ, right? He is the head of his body. Obviously, you see that clearly, right? He is the head of his body. And the body is the fullness of him, right, that fills all in all. So in other words, it is the fullness of God that the body of Christ is full of right like you know what you're full of and it's not garbage that you're full of it's it's the glory of god that you're full of what is that glory the same glory that rose him from the dead and sat him above everything that made him the head it is that glory that made him the head that is the glory that's in you and in case you were doubting that if you jump all the way to verse number four of chapter two verse number four of chapter two it says but god in his rich mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved, right? And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, right? So, so you see, he says, I've made him the head, right? By my glory, I have made him the head. I have glorified him, right? So, so in this context, when it talks about Christ being the head, he has been glorified. So also has the church been glorified, in other words, been given the glory that is the glory of God and not its own glory, right? The glory of God and not its own glory. In, um, if we can go real quick to 2 Kings, 2 Kings 16. 2 Kings 16. And look at verse number um, 1. 2 Kings, obviously, now this is the book of the kings, right? Now it's not just you hearing this from the point of view of Isaiah, but now you're hearing it from the point of view of the book of the kings, and Chronicles is the book that chronicles the acts of the kings as well, right? So in, in, in 2 Kings 16.1, it says, In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Ramalia, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. You, you know what it is? Like, he lived as a king, a, a king of Judah 16 years in fear. 16 years in fear. But there are people that live the entirety of their lives in fear. The entirety of their lives, even Christians, the entirety of their lives in fear. Always worried about their kids. Moms always worried about their kids. Kids always worried about their parents, right? Uh, just, just it's, it's so many things, right? They're without number, the things that people fear, right? But isn't it a beautiful thing to know it does not matter what you fear today, right? God can show you, this is who I have made you. Remember who you are so I can establish you in you what I've given to you, right? Let me establish you in all of the truth, right? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? 
It is that same grace and it is that same truth that we have on the inside of us. Let the Lord take the truth that's in you and bring it up to your brain and renew your mind so that you don't have to continue to live in fear. But that perfected love casts out fear always, right? Understanding what he's done, not what he's going to do. Not what he's going to do. And, and that is, does not go without saying. The church today does not live and preach based on what Christ has done talks a whole lot about the victory that God is going to give him. And if you just trust in God, he'll give you the victory. That's a wrong answer, right? He has already given us the victory. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world, right? It is our faith in Christ that overcomes the world because he has already overcome it. He said, why are you thinking that I'm going to overcome something that I have already overcome, right? It's done. It is finished. It is complete. Trust in what I've done Right, And I will show you how you have been made the head so you can think like the head. Right, You have the wisdom of God on the inside of you. All the thoughts of the way the head of the church thinks are on the inside of you. you sh- we should be thinking like the head and not the tail. But many, much of our way of thinking is still what? Very, very, very tail-oriented, right? Thinking that you're beneath everything, that you're subject to everything, that if this changes, it affects me. If this changes, it affects me. If this changes, it affects me. We're affected by everybody. We're the victim in everything, right? We're always the victim. And, and now today, the mentality today, if you can prove you're a victim, men can help you. If you can prove you're a victim, you will receive more help from men that will just make you feel more like a victim, right? So you will be a victim forever, right? And in actuality, the church is not the victim, right? The church does not need to operate the way the world operates. The church has been made the head and seated alongside Christ who is the head over all things for the church. We should be walking and thinking like the head and not like the tail, right? Not subject to the world, but the world subject unto us. Us using the world, but not the world using you, right? Two totally separate things, two totally different ways of thinking, right? Uh, He reigned, uh, he was 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years, and he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God like his father David did, right? He didn't do it. What does that mean? David had faith, he didn't, right? That was the collapse of that king. That's the collapse of every king. That's the collapse of every nation. That's the collapse of every mighty power that has ever risen upon the earth that does not acknowledge God, it falls. Every time it falls. Every single time it falls. Every time it falls. Every single time. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel instead of the ways of God, right? And, and, and made his son to pass through the fire. In other words, in, in, even in Chronicles, it talked about he burned his own children, right? And he burned his children as sacrifices unto the God of the Assyrians, right? That's how he lived, right? You, you know you've gotten pretty far, right, when you're willing to sacrifice your own children, right? But people do that without burning their kids. They still sacrifice things for trying to get ahead, sacrifice their lives and their families, right, for what they can do to be able to make themselves better, right? Instead of just coming to rest, being not fearing, right, being quiet and being still and allowing the Lord to speak and to teach us, right, so that we don't, so that we could live and knowing, right, being people that live with a hope that is sure and certain, an expectation that you know, you know, right? Not only do you have all knowledge and know, but from that knowing now comes a sure expectation. You knowing what tomorrow holds already for you. Knowing what tomorrow holds already for you. I mean, the Lord told him that, right? Before, before he fails dramatically like he did, the Lord told him, if you believe me, I'll establish you. If you don't believe me, he says, how can I establish you if you don't believe what I've done, right? In his case, it was, if you don't believe what I'm going to do, in our cases, believe what he, he's already done. Um, he had his sons pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord uh, cast out um, from before the children of Israel and he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree, right? Um, verse number five, then Rezin, the king of Syria and Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel, came up uh, to Jerusalem to war and they besieged Ahaz but could not overcome him. At, at that time, Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Elath to Syria and drave, or drove the Jews from Elath and the Syrians came uh, to Elath and dwelt there unto this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to a guy's name that I'm not even going to try to say, Teglath Pelzer, whatever. So Ahaz sent messengers to him, to the king of Assyria, saying, I am, listen to what he says to this man. This is a king of Israel, 
a king that comes under the dynasty of David, which was a, a God-fearing king, right? And he has fallen so far from the grace of God, right? Fallen so far from the grace that David demonstrated, right, by just faith in Jesus, right? That despite anything that you would ever do, you put faith in Jesus, God will establish you, right? He, he says to the king of Assyria, I am thy servant and thy son. Come up and save me out of the hand of Syria, right? That, that's called putting yourself subject to a man that is just subject to another man, right? He, says, he, he literally tells him, after, after uh, at this point, Isaiah had already come to him, already speaking to him, and he says, I am your servant, I'm your son, right? I, 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 I am, have made myself subject unto you. That word son there was, is, is really referring to there, like I, I am your subject. Right? I'm your loyal subject, in other words. Right? Save me. He's looking for salvation from what? From men. Um, it says, uh, and deliver me, save me out of the hand of, uh, of Syria and out of the hand of the king of Israel, which rise up against me. And Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house, and he sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. He took everything. He, he took symbols symbols and that were significant of the messiah that was to come and he took things that are symbolic were symbolic of he that was to come and who the church would be he took those things and he depreciated them right he had, he saw no value in them so he made them as gifts and presents unto men you know the lord talks about and i'll read this to you quickly in genesis 25:32 he says that esau esau said behold i am at a point to die what profit he said is my birthright to me right this is esau esau and jacob and, and, and Esau, even though he was the firstborn with the rights of the firstborn, right, that is a symbol, obviously, of Christ being the firstborn among many, right, brethren who we are, he, he, he sees the gospel, does the same thing Ahaz did. He completely devalues the gospel, devalues his birthright, and sells it for what? For a bowl of soup. He sells it, right? In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 16, is that it says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, right? In other words, like, if you would see like how, how, uh, how good it is not to just trade and devalue a gospel by allowing our heart to be so easily, so easily moved away, Right? by circumstances and stuff that you see with your eyeballs, things that you see happen, right? But that yet, you know, you know, in this world, you're going to see lots of things that are not right. You're going to see things that are not right all the time, happening all around you, right? But, but you know, it's not just pie-in-the-sky stuff to say, but it will not come near me. You know, and even if it does, this thing has to go away. This thing has to, right, be, be stopped, right? This is not something that's going to progress, Right? When, when, when disease and sickness hits a body, right, the, 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 the thing that it's trying to accomplish, right, is deterioration unto death, right? But that's the very thing that God has put us above. That the, the life of God that is in you is an eternal life, right? The life that we have in us, in other words, He has given us in Christ, who is the head, the fullness that we have in us is a fullness that is of life. Right? In other words, the spiritual gifts that we have of God, the heavenly things that we have in us, are of life and of godliness. It's everything that you could ever need right, from life, from an eternal, an eternal power right, that is never-ending. Right? So it, it, you know, Christ lives according to the power of an endless life. We live today according to the power of an endless life, right? So we have no need to live with a mentality that says, I'm going to, there's no cure for this. I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life, right? That's why there's a thing called healing. Why is healing possible? Because you have subjected yourself to the one who is the head and he has put in you this thing called eternal life of which death is a subject to it, right? It is subjected to it. There is no such thing as life being subject to death. Death is completely and utterly defeated and has been defeated period, by life, right? When Jesus said, I have overcome the world, that's what he's talking about. It is com he has completely overcome death in this world, completely overcome it. But when you think like the tail, when you think like, like the one that is subject to it, you, you 
pair yourself up with the king of Assyria. You pair yourself up with death, like, well, let's just go hand in hand, me and you, and walk out the rest of this life until I die, right? I mean, I, I was hearing, you know, some very well-meaning person in my family send me this stupid stuff, right? Some preacher standing up talking about, all oh, that when it's your time and you die, you know, the Lord will ask you, and talking about all this poetic garbage, and it's like poop coming out of his mouth. It's like pure poop coming out of his mouth. That's all that it is, just regurgitating and vomiting all this garbage that's in his mind. Where did he get that from? Because we subject ourselves, we don't know what it is to be the head in the church, so we tie ourselves with death as though death is like our little partner and our little friend throughout life. And then when death takes you because it's your time, like God uses death as like this thing to pluck people out of the earth, right? When does God use death as a weapon when he has given you life eternal, right? Life eternal he has put on the inside of us, yet we walk hand in hand with death like, like, like he's our little buddy, like that's our little friend, right? You take and you let loose of your hold on the things of this world, including the death of it, right? And you say, you know what, Lord? I know that I am not subject unto death. And you have been reminding me of that and telling me that. I am not subject unto death. Listen, I get it. It's easy to just go like this and go, oh, just give up, right? But that's tormenting, right? Fear is a tormenting thing. So even though you may think, oh, it's easy just to give up and just whatever, you know, stop thinking about all this stuff about victory, just give up, right? And then and just be subject, but you're tormented, right? Ahaz lived in fear all the days of his life in fear, right? In, in his quote-unquote reign over Judah, he lived as a fearful king, just subjecting, subjected always unto men, led his own nation into captivity. Not only did he affect his own self, but affected his entire nation, right? But, but we ourselves, right, we don't have to live that way. We can live in a rest that calls us to have to do nothing but just to believe in the one that has already overcome. That is far easier than giving up and living in fear, right? What, what is really easier? Acknowledging what the Lord has already done and every good thing that is in us? or walking hand in hand and living in fear for the rest of your life, right? Obviously, faith is easier, but the church makes it out to be like it's this laborious, hard thing that only the elite thereof make it, right? But that's not it, right? Because it's not who you're going to be, right? It's not who God is going to make you. It's who has, he has already made you the head. You're not going to be the head. You are the head, right? He's not going to make you the head. You already are the head over all things, over all things, obviously, except Christ and the Father, but you are surely over all the other things, right, of this earth, all the other things, that we would not be like Esau, who even though he held it in his hand, he saw no value in it and sold it away, like it's nothing, like it was garbage, right? All for what? For fear of not being fed, for fear of not having, just sold it like it was nothing, sold it like it was garbage. In Psalm 27, in verse number 1, Psalm 27 in verse number one, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He says, um, he says, the Lord is my light. I mean, he, he's really, David is just saying here, like, this is, this is a man who knew, obviously, he didn't know a lot of stuff, but the stuff that he did know and write about were just beautiful, right? He, he knew who his head was, right? Solomon even, he, when, when Solomon prayed to God, he said, I know what you did to my daddy. I know that you were the one that made him who he is, and I know he didn't earn none of it. He said, I just want you to do the same thing with me, right? I want you to open up my eyes, right, so I can see what he saw, right, so that you can be my king like you were my father's king, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord, he's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he'll hide me in his pavilion. That's in his tabernacle. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, right? He, we are the body of Christ, right? We have been put above everything. Christ has been given us to be the head over all things. He is our light. He is our salvation. He is our strength, right? My God, that we would ever do what that man did 
and look at another man and say to another man, out of your mouth would come those words to another man to say, save me. What, what, what a horrible way to live, to, to put all of your hope in a man that is in the same, in, in, a, in a, a man that is in a sinking boat, let alone you who have been seated with Christ, putting your hope in a man that has no life in him, right? Is there, anything, is there anything wrong? I'll say it again, right? And we've said it many times. Anything wrong with going to the doctor? Nope. When you go to the doctor, you're not saying, you are my hope and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Right? That's not what you're saying. You got to go to the stinking doctor. Go to the doctor. Doctor has nothing to do with your faith in Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. The Lord does not say, if thou hast faith in me, thou will never see a physician. Never. One thing has nothing to do with the other one. If you go to the doctor on your way there, driving there, keep giving glory to God and thanking God for all that he's done, right? Everyone needs, everyone does stuff, right? Everyone does stuff while we're growing in the knowledge. But don't stop. Don't stop growing in the knowledge of who you are, right? Don't stop growing in the knowledge of what is yours. Do whatever you're doing, but don't let your mind be departed. It's not about who is helping your body in the meantime. It's your mind. Don't let your mind make the physician your hope. Don't let the mind, your mind make the physician your savior. Don't make your mind make the physician your salvation and your strength, right? That, that title belongs only to God. And any title that he has cannot be usurped or taken by men, right? He is our strength, therefore no other man can be. He is your light, therefore no other man can be, right? When you subject yourself to him, you subject yourself to all of his titles, right? And all of those things that he, he is to you, no man can ever be or will be, right? So you find yourself then in a position where you're speaking always and thinking like the one that is the head and never thinking like a one who is the tail. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reformed Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this unpopular message to the world. If you'd like to support Reform Church, you can do so at reforminus.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reforminus.com.